Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 4, 12 through 25, called The Kingdom of Light. There was a lot that went on in that year. Matthew's purpose is not to highlight those things. You may ask why as you turn back to Matthew 4. I think scholars would say because it doesn't directly relate to Jesus's kingship that Matthew is developing. And so these things are left uh, to be picked up in the Gospel of John and as we just read in the Gospel of Luke. And so Jesus now uh, withdraws into Galilee He leaves Nazareth. We just saw that in Luke 4. He got basically uh, escorted out, although they wanted to kill him. He left Nazareth. This is Matthew 4.13. Came and settled in Capernaum, his adopted hometown. If you go to Israel, Capernaum is right by the Sea of Galilee. It's a coastal town. And it's called the adopted home of Jesus because Jesus basically got booted out of his own hometown. So Capernaum became his adopted hometown. And so there he is in that area. He settles there, which is by the sea, notice. The region, the ancient tribes that were up there were Zebulun and Naphtali. And they were located, they were given land between the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel and the Mediterranean Sea. So I don't have a map in front of you right now, but but basically uh, those two tribes settled in the north. And this was their territory. And so here is Jesus now. And uh, he has come up into the northern part of Israel, into the area of Galilee. And this was prophetic. This was to fulfill, notice, what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. We've seen these, these references several times in the birth narratives. Now, as Jesus is older, he's also fulfilling ministry. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali... By the way of the sea, verse 15, you probably have this in all caps in your Bible or italicized because it's a, it's a quote. Beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. Those who were sitting in the land of, and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. Now, this particular reference is from Isaiah chapter 9. So let's turn over there for a second. Look at the book of Isaiah. We'll try to put it up on the screen if we can. And as you go there, let me give you a little bit of the the backdrop of this famous prophecy. So uh, Israel as a nation has had a lot of ungodly leadership. And the position of the nation of Israel is is interesting from a geographic and military standpoint. Above Israel is a nation called Syria, also known as ancient Aram, Aram. Then up to the northeast was a nation called Assyria. They were a a dominant war machine. And below Israel was a nation called Egypt, which is still there today. What happened as you studied the geography is these uh, nations would often war with one another. Assyria, Syria, and Egypt. And Israel was in between these nations. Sometimes a king would go and lose a battle in Egypt, come through Israel, because that's the way they would go back to their homeland. 
and be angry and just destroy things in Israel just because they were mad or pouting. I lost my battle, so I'll destroy your temple then. <laughs> where, where, where? And poor Israel became a punching bag for these leaders. If, if you ever listen to someone who really knows the geography of that area, they'll tell you that many things that happened in that area were, a, were basically a result of their geography. At this time, there's a king named Ahaz, and Ahaz is an ungodly king, and he's ruling Judah, the southern part of the nation, and it's a divided nation. Two tribes in the south, ten in the north, two different sets of kings. Ahaz is the king of Judah at this time. Syria uh, and Israel, so two nations next to each other, have made an alliance, and they're going to attack the south. And Ahaz is afraid, everybody's freaking out, and he goes and he, he walks out and he checks the water supply because in ancient warfare, if an army could destroy your water supply, they, they could easily defeat you. So he's checking the water supply and Isaiah, the prophet, walks out to him. And Isaiah begins to tell him, don't trust. He, he wants to make an alliance with Assyria because Assyria is a stronger nation. They're a war machine. So maybe if he allies himself with, with Assyria, then Syria and Ephraim or Syria and Israel, Assyria can help him out in that battle. Well, Isaiah the prophet goes and warns him and says, don't you do that. Don't you make an alliance with, those, with that nation because they're ungodly and it's not going to go well. You trust the Lord. And he says these words, ask the Lord for a sign and he'll give it to you. It could be as high as the heavens or as low as Sheol. And Ahaz says, no, I won't ask. You won't ask for a sign, the prophet says. Okay, then the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And his name shall be called, remember, Emmanuel, which means God with us. You won't ask for a sign, I'll give you a sign. So Ahaz continues in his rebellion and the nation doesn't turn to God. Pick up the account. This is Isaiah 8. There's much I could share with you, but look at verse 17. And I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Behold, Isaiah the prophet is speaking. I and the children whom the Lord has given me, Isaiah 8.18, their names were prophetic as well, his kids, are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, who dwells on Mount Zion, 8.19 of Isaiah. And when you say, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Should they practice necromancy? Should they go to occultists? Should they go to mediums to try to find out what to do? No! Why? Because this is the nation aligned with Almighty God. This is the nation that made a covenant with God at Sinai. This was the nation that was told, don't you get mixed up in the ungodly practices of the nations round about you. Don't you consult mediums and witches and the dead. You don't do that stuff. God has forbidden that stuff, but they did it nonetheless. And so to the law and the testimony, to the testimony, if they do not speak, Verse 20, according to this word, it's because they have no dawn. There's no light in them. They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished. It will turn out when they are hungry, they will be enraged. Rather than looking up to God, when they do look up, they will curse their king and their God. 
as they face upward. A surprising response, isn't it? For a nation who had the light of God, that when wartime comes and things are tough, they don't turn to God and say, would you bless us? Would you, we're going to repent. We're going to ask you to save us. No, no, no. They begin to curse God. Now, this is the nation of Israel, folks. This is God's people. This is what can happen when the negative influences and the darkness of this world uh, brings lies and falsehood. And so look what happens. Then they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. They will be driven away into darkness. And I think for any of you who have studied the Old Testament, you know it didn't go very well because Assyria did destroy the northern kingdom and uh, Babylon did destroy the southern kingdom and, and God let his people swim in the consequences of their rejection. He basically said, if you don't want my light, then you'll get the darkness of what is coming. And it came. And in the middle of all this bummer news, the, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah often does this. There'll be some really hard, uh, staggering truth and then all of a sudden the light will come. Here, t- take a look. But, 9-1, there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm here for a reason. This is your quote from Isaiah 9 to Matthew 4. So this is where it comes from. Take a look. The people who, were wa- who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice with the divide when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor as at the battle of Midian, every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult, all the war that has happened, all the blood and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. Notice, a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be the ultimate king. He will not be like King Ahaz. His name will be called. Oh, we all know it, don't we? It's Christmas again. Here we are. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. There'll be no confusion, no darkness in him. He'll be the mighty God. He is the mighty God. He'll be eternal father, prince of shalom, prince of peace. No more chaos, no more disorder, no more darkness, no more confusion. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness for, from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That's a good time for an amen. amen. Hallelujah. What God is saying is, even though you turned upward and cursed me, you turned to the spiritists, you turned to necromancy, you turned to witchcraft, I'm sending my son. I'm going to send a light into your darkness. That prophecy was written 700 years before this moment in history in Matthew chapter 4. Let's turn back there. And so Galilee of the Gentiles, you say, well, why, does it, why is it called Galilee of the Gentiles if it's in the northern part of Israel? Here's why. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. What God is saying is, even though you turned upward and cursed me, you turned to the spiritists, you turned to necromancy, you turned to witchcraft, I'm sending my son. I'm going to send a light into your darkness. That prophecy was written 700 years before this moment in history in Matthew chapter 4. Let's turn back there. And so Galilee of the Gentiles, you say, well, why, does it, why is it called Galilee of the Gentiles if it's in the northern part of Israel? Here's why. Because when Assyria took the northern parts in that area of Galilee, the people were deported and many of them killed and intermarriage occurred up there. And so the, the people who lived in the Jerusalem area, you can think of the scholars and people who were near the temple, when they looked to the north, as beautiful as it is up there, and as beautiful as the Sea of Galilee region is, they saw them as outcasts. They saw them as being intermarried, mixed with Gentiles, which simply means non-Jews. And so it was almost like they saw Galilee like a place, maybe we would say Hicktown. We know your accent up there. You guys are just a bunch of country bumpkins up there. There's no scholars up there. The big wigs, the, the academia, the, the people who are in the know, the scholars, they're all at Jerusalem. They're in the south, man. Those people up north. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yeah, I'd say. But that's how they looked at that area up there. There was hatred and a divide. And, and it's true in our world today. There's people who look at certain regions and they have disdain for that region because it's known for something or people are a certain way. And where does Jesus go to pick his hand-picked first set of disciples? Does he go to Jerusalem? Does he pick Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel? Does he pick, uh, you know, the religious elite? Does he call upon Caiaphas, the high priest? No. Do you know who he picks? Fishermen from the detested area of Galilee. <laughs> For real? Yep. Because God delights in using the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I have a feeling that's why most of us are here today. <laughs> Can I get a witness? You don't have to say it really loud, you know. Maybe look at your neighbor. Amen. That's why I'm standing here. 
Because the Lord reached into my darkness. Now, I was raised with the things of God, but I got away from the things of God. And I would categorize my decisions from, you know, my early teen years into my early 20s as not full of much light. Anybody else out there like me? You know, I made a lot of mistakes. I I didn't always think about what I was doing. I wouldn't categorize it as dark decision-making. But it brought a level of darkness into my life because it was void of God's light. It was void of God's truth. Even if I knew intellectually God's truth, I certainly wasn't living by it. And Jesus comes into this area to fulfill prophecy. He moves into this area called Galilee of the Gentiles. Back in Matthew 4, you can see in verse 16, there's that quote, the the people who were uh, sitting in darkness saw a great light. Those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them, a light dawned. Uh, This area was known as the land of death. The shadow of death. I've got some bad news for you. We're all sitting in the shadow of death. Do you realize that? We all have a destiny with our mortality. We don't necessarily want to think about it. But that's the reality of our sin. The wages of our sin is death. We're in a fallen, broken world. And if you're past the age of 25, uh, you're deteriorating. (laughs) I wanted to say that as nicely as I could. You're falling apart, man. Sorry. (laughs) You're like, come on, Pastor Michael, give me some good news. We'll get to some good news in a minute. But here's the thing. We're all battling the decay of a sin-cursed world. We live in the shadow of it. We don't always want to talk about it or look at it. We're a death-denying culture, frankly. But, But we face it. And we face it really every day of our lives. So into that kind of setting, into that geography, into that thought process comes Messiah. Simeon, when he held the baby Jesus, he took Jesus into his arms, Luke 2.28. He blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you let your servant, your bondservant, depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. When you look at Jesus' movements in uh, the opening verses, just take a look for a moment. You're going to see several place names. You see, verse 12, Galilee. Look at verse 13. You see Nazareth. You see a place called Capernaum. You see the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, Skip down to verses 23 through 25. Just for a moment. You'll see some other place names. You're going to see... Galilee, look at verse 25, a place called the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and a place beyond the Jordan. When you map this out, what you see is every corner of Israel is located in these verses. The northeast of the Sea of Galilee, uh, the northwest, the northeast, the southwest and the southeast, all four quadrants of the nation are here. Now, I just want to give you a picture for a second. 
I had mentioned to you when we looked at the baptism of Jesus that the King James and New King James Version mentioned that the place is not Bethany, but a place called Bethbara. Some of you will remember this. I mentioned to you that Bethabara can mean crossing place. If this is true, that Jesus was baptized opposite Jericho in the southern part of the nation, the first city that Joshua was to take was Jericho. Jesus gets baptized, heads into the promised land, and his light goes to every corner of the nation. He is the new Joshua. You've been listening to The Kingdom of Light, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew, Chapter 4, Verses 12 through 25. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, as I record a particular segment here on Walk in Truth, we had uh, an incredible harvest fest at uh, Living Truth where I serve as senior pastor. And, you know, we brought up some of the the things as we preach the gospel going on in the world. The world can be a dark place. And uh, with the war going on in Israel and, uh, you know, we might say wars and rumors of wars, we we can get uptight. And maybe that's not even it for you. Maybe you're just in a dark place personally. I was talking to, you know, a friend who said, uh, you know, he's talking to other believers and a lot of believers are finding themselves, you know, kind of a little bit stressed out and wondering what's going to happen next in the world. The world can be often a scary place. What do we do? How do we find light when things are dark? Well, the Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 27. The Lord is the defense of my life. Now, on a human level, I'm going to be honest, there's times I fight fear because I'm human. And I worry about all the things that I'm sure you worry about. But at some point, I have to decide that if God is God, if he's on the throne, if my life is in his hands and that of my family and friends, then I can lean into the light, if you will. I can let the light um, overwhelm the darkness, even sometimes that I, you know, may feel inside of me because of all the pressure and the what ifs of this world. You see, darkness is a picture of Satan's kingdom. It's a place where you're groping around. You don't know where you're going. Light is what the Lord's kingdom is all about. It's about truth. It's about visibility. It's about what's plain and evident. There's no no secrets there, if you will. Everything is visible and manifest. And it is there that you will find hope and you will find that the Lord's light will overwhelm the darkness even sometimes that you feel on a personal level. So maybe you look around and, and, and maybe Christians around you aren't doing so hot. And you're like, you know, is, is this the best way to live? Maybe you're being real practical. Yes. 
because not all Christians are focusing on the light. And we could all do a better job of that. And I pray that even today, as you've been, you know, listening to a prophecy about Jesus being the light and, you know, coming into dark places, that he'll be your light today. Hey, if you've never met him before, then you don't know the light of the Lord. And maybe you find yourself just spiritually overwhelmed by darkness. Cry out to Jesus. You know, he is a prayer away. He's the Lord of light, the Lord of heaven and earth. And he can come in and and change everything in a moment. Cry out to him. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you're the king. I believe that you came on a rescue mission, that you're God in human flesh. I believe that you died on that awful cross and resurrected from the dead. I believe that you're the God of light. Would you pour your light into me? Would you save me? Maybe if you're a prodigal, would, would you restore me? Bring back that light into my life. You know, he'll honor that prayer, my friend. And again, if we can help you in any way, you can ask for us to pray for you through our website. It's walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless you. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. You gotta check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 4, 12 through 25, called The Kingdom of Light. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.